We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we hear a whole lot today about finding your purpose. Lots of people go to uh, mediums and psychics to just try to find out what their purpose in life is. Uh, Unfortunately, what that means is that we're essentially trying to measure ourselves fairly constantly against a standard of purpose. And we're supposed to know for sure that we have found that purpose. I see so many people who are living out these amazing lives in which they contribute really beautiful things to to the world and to the people that they connect with, but yet they're still asking the question, what is my purpose? Um, they're not sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and there's supposed to be some kind of magical key to finding out what that is. <clears throat> so that's A. But B, as a collective, what really are we doing here? What I mean, what is the purpose of planet Earth? We've heard a whole lot uh, down through the centuries from traditional religion, from tradition itself, about what it is that we're doing here. And there's there's been the myth of some kind of, you know, this big God who created us and said, here's planet Earth and you're supposed to go out there and have dominion over it and you're supposed to be good people. And if you're not, then, uh, you know, I may have to kill off the whole bunch of you or I may have to later send you all off to hell. And those those ideas have sort of clung to us down through the centuries, unless, of course, we've come from Eastern religions in which there are some other ideas, although those ideas are not too far off of some of the Eastern religion as well. So this whole idea about who we are and what our purpose here on planet Earth is very, very important because in the background of all of our unconscious sort of collective archetypes is this idea about what we're doing here. And that idea changes how we view ourselves, each of us individual, individually and all of us as a collective. So what we're going to be talking about today is what is the purpose of purpose? That's A. And then B, we're going to be talking about what really is our collective purpose. Okay, so what is uh, what, what do we mean when we talk about what is our purpose? What we generally mean is that we're supposed to have some um, epiphany, some big experience in which a light goes on and we go, oh, that's my purpose. Now I know why I'm here. 
And if we don't have that experience, then we spend all of our lives wondering whether or not we're fulfilling our life's purpose because we're waiting for some external affirmation that, oh, yep, that's it. That's your purpose. You finally found that little teeny little needle in the haystack that says, yes, this is you. This is your purpose. Um, that that um, way of thinking about life keeps us measuring ourselves, measuring and measuring. And the nobility of that purpose is going to factor into that measuring. So if we say, my purpose is to um, love all of mankind, and then we don't manage to always do that, then we've failed in our purpose, and we have therefore not not done what we came here to do. And uh, that's a pretty awesome load to carry, the idea that we think we've not done what we came here to do. I believe that there's no way we can not do what we came here to do. And we're going to talk some more about that in a minute. But I just want to kind of ease that anxiety just a little bit by throwing that out there. Because that notion that, oh my gosh, what if I don't do what I came here to do, plagues so many people. It plagues them, and they go everywhere around the world, read books, write things, talk to psychics, go to healers, do all kinds of things to try to find out what that purpose is. And they feel lost until they've had someone else somewhere say, "Ah, this is your purpose, and you can know this because you've had this heightened experience, this epiphany, this grand uh, insight, this angel has come down and spoken to you and said, here is your purpose, go live it. And uh, then we have to measure ourselves by whether or not we've we've actually done it. So, okay, when we're looking for purpose, I'm going to just say it. We're off the mark already. When we're looking for a purpose in life, we're already off the mark <laughs> because the mark is not about our purpose. I mean, think about it. What's the purpose of the sky? What's the purpose of an animal, your cat, your dog? What's the purpose of a flower, a bee? Uh, you know, now we can think up our own little so-called scientific ideas about what that is. Well, a bee is supposed to collect pollen and the pollen is supposed to, he's supposed to spread it around so other flowers grow. Yeah, that's all nice and such, but that bee dies real soon. So, you know, really has he done that much for the world? Uh, and, uh, you know, the trees, well, they're supposed to give us oxygen and we give, you know, they give off, uh, we give off carbon dioxide for them and they give off oxygen for us. Yes. Yes, they do all that, but is that their purpose? See, that's, that's where we get mixed up with what we get, wh- what we do mixed up with what our purpose is. Okay. So what I do is I'm a therapist. I, I work with individuals and I also work with the American Institute of Holistic Theology as a, um, Director of Academics, and I, 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 you know, work with students, and I work with individuals as, as a therapist, and I, you know, that's what I do. But is that my purpose? See, there's the problem. Uh, we get career mixed up with purpose. We get relationship mixed up with purpose. Um, so, so okay, what if my career is not my purpose? What if my relationship is not my purpose? What if purpose? Is the problem. What if looking for purpose is the problem? See, I think that one of the, one of the issues in looking for purpose is that is twofold. One, it gets us out of the now. It keeps us measuring ourselves based upon some future thing that we're supposed to attain. And that gets us out of the now. And second, it keeps us measuring ourselves. And anytime we're measuring ourselves, we are going to fall short. 
And, uh, you know, there's a passage in Revelations in the Bible that talks about how there's this measuring of the of the temple that goes on, you know, how far out does the courtyard go and how big is this and that and the other. And uh, and it also says something about the people of the earth stomp trampling it underfoot, trampling the courtyard underfoot, the entrance to the temple. Well, I think there's a connection between that measuring and that trampling. Because, you see, once we start measuring things, we're not really attuned to what is. We're not really accepting what is. When we're starting to measure it according to some standard it's supposed to measure up to and hasn't quite done it yet. Because, like I said, every time we measure something, we find it less worthy. So the whole process of measuring is a problem, and purpose puts us into that problem. So when we start talking about what is my purpose in life, we've already left the present moment. And we've we've stopped accepting. Here's here's what's going on right now. There's light coming into this room. I'm looking at some of the pictures on the wall. I look out over the city and I see uh, the light in the sky and the and the clouds. And I see reflection from the sun on the cars and uh, some beautiful roofs and some people walking and some cars driving. And I see life happening. And I'm breathing that in. And I'm taking this moment in and really receiving it. I feel my body, I feel my skin, my flesh, my bones, and I'm inside my body and I, I connect with that and I connect with my, my spirit of peace and I, I'm right here. I'm right here in this moment experiencing it. But the minute, the very second I start going, oh, well, what about my purpose? Am I measuring up to my purpose right now? I've lost all of that. So you see the whole notion of thinking we have to find a purpose in life gets us away from what could very well be our purpose in life, which is just living it, living it right here, right now. Just be alive in it right now, you know. So the other thing about trying to find a purpose that is uh, problematic is that we uh, we tend to think in terms of um, – uh, that measuring that, like I said, falls, we fall short. But just the very notion that there is some standard m- makes us wonder about the giver of life. Who, who decided on the standard? <laughs> who decided on that? Now, traditionalists will tell us that there's a, there's a sacred text and it is the inerrant word of God and that is the truth and that's how it is and there is nothing else and any way that you interpret it other than literally is just all wrong and, and so therefore we should, you know, go by that. But the truth is there's not a whole lot in there about purpose. <laughs> there's just not. So if you're gonna go with that definition, well then how do you know what your purpose is from that? The other thing is that in that in that process, it makes us wonder, are we one with the divine or are we separate from the divine? If I can't even find my purpose, how can I say I'm one with the divine? So you see, it puts that big old question mark in our heads that says, uh-oh, maybe I'm not really one with the divine. Maybe maybe I've got to strive after something and, and, and struggle and, and strive when, in fact, that traditional word – that people say sometimes is the inerrant word of God, says, cease striving and know that I am God. I translate that to mean cease striving to know that I am God, as we are all, are all God. So, you know, that that um, that whole problem of looking for the purpose is, is one of the central themes I want to talk about today. Uh, but the second thing I want to talk about is really all about 
our um our the real purpose we are all here on this planet i mean why did we get created here what's the point of us being here why why did planet earth get here well, i mean people say well maybe there's extraterrestrials well maybe there are but and 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 there's some people who would say there definitely are well okay but still what does that mean about us here on planet earth what are, what are we doing here what how do we configure into the universal plan if there is one and and that whole thing is a conundrum as well because when we start trying to process what it means to be a part of that whole global effort we begin to try to find our place in it so we're going to talk about that right after the break stay tuned for more The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the second segment of our show. The Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.com. Dot org, And we're talking today about purpose. What the bleep are we doing here? 
Well, we talked during the first segment about why the whole idea of looking for our purpose is a problem. And now we want to talk just a little bit about what we really are doing here. Uh, Because there's all kinds of notions out there. Traditionalists, as I said, taught us that we were created to have domination over the earth and that we were supposed to be really good people and somehow we failed God and God... Uh, then had to punish us by removing all of the population from planet Earth except for Noah and, the, and his family and the animals. And then uh, after that, there was, uh, Jesus was sent to save us from our sins, and he died on the cross to save us. And then uh, some of us will be saved, and others of us will not be saved and go to hell eternally. Um, so that, that purpose has been taught to many. Most Westerners have learned that, that whole purpose of why we're here. This is why we're here. We're, we're, in, in the way I look at it, that's some kind of game where this omniscient person and this omniscient figure, uh, head, uh, created humans which he knew were going to not be able to measure up to any standard, um, so that he could say, you're supposed to measure up to this standard and then when you don't, I'm gonna take you off the planet and then if that doesn't work, well then I'll just have to send some of you to hell. As a matter of fact, the majority of you to hell and the rest of you, uh, the few of you are gonna get to go to heaven afterward. That, that doesn't sound like parenting, even parenting 101 to me. Um, that sounds like a cruel, uh, nonsensical Overlord that wants to sort of play with me as if I'm some sort of sort of toy, and that's why I think there's so many people out there who say they don't believe in God, they don't believe in that God for sure. If they ever believe in any God, they're sure not going to believe in that one because that one just doesn't make sense. Um, and so there's so many people out there now who've sort of said, no, that traditional understanding of life just does not work for me. And I happen to be one of those. Um, and if you happen to be someone who does still hold to the traditional view, I hope you'll uh, not hear this as criticism of that, but rather a, a, a real mystery view of another deeper version, perhaps, of a reality. First of all, uh, when we when we segment God off into a he or a she, we have already uh, split ourselves off from from that entity because. Um, our understanding is so limited in terms of gender. We, we're just now beginning to understand, beginning to even touch the hem of the garment of understanding what gender really is. And the people that are teaching us about that are not the people that you would think would be teaching us about that. The people that are teaching us about that are the transgendered population of the world. They're teaching us that gender has nothing whatsoever to do with body type. It, it has to do with who we see ourselves as being inside. Um, so they, then some of them are, are going to have the surgery that matches so that their body type can match their, what their insides feel like. And that's beginning to show us something different. There are people who tell, have been telling us, I was told, many of you were told that a woman is supposed to walk a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way and she's never supposed to raise her voice and when she does, she's considered the B word, to be the B word. And, you know, uh, a man is supposed to be the provider and the X, Y, and Z and he's supposed to act a certain way and talk a certain way and he's not supposed to be very emotional and et cetera, et cetera. And those are all the supposed tos we've attached to that and those supposed tos go right onto our image of the higher power when we say, when we use the pronoun he, when we talk about that, uh, that higher power as a gender. So first, first thing that has to happen before I can do anything else on this show today is we have to remove gender 
from the spirit that is uh, that we can call the divine spirit. And I don't call it God because that word God comes with so many traditional connotations that um, that it's impossible to move beyond them when we're speaking of that. So I'm going to use the word divine. Um, and the divine for me has no gender. So, um, okay, so the interesting thing about our, our coming here is that once upon a time before we came here, there was no form. Form was not. The world was formless and void. That's the words that are used in Genesis. Um, and that's, that's a metaphor for our understanding of what's really going on here. So, uh, once upon a time there was no form. And then there was form. Um, and maybe there was an evolution to greater and greater form so that perhaps we came here in sort of an ethereal body and sort of grew into a uh, having a body form that we understand as body form today. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point is that um, once upon a time there wasn't form and then there was. And that piece, that piece right there is very, very important as to what the bleep we're doing here. Because uh, there are so many people who have just, you know, over the centuries we we have um, maligned the body and said that the body is the evil part of us, the bad thing. It makes it's the flesh. It makes us do bad things, and we have to choose between the flesh and the spirit. And if we choose the spirit, then we're going to be good people. And if we choose the flesh, we're going to be bad people. And that understanding of 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 what we're doing here denies the fact that once upon a time there wasn't form and then there was and we were participants in that form so um if if we were if once upon a time there wasn't form and then there was form there must be some reason why form was chosen and some reason why we are participants in that chosen form so when we talk about the body and malign it and say that it's our evil, what we're doing essentially is saying the form that we were created with is not good enough. And uh, because it isn't, we have to malign it. And and then we go so far as to say, well, the form, well, it dies and, and our spirit goes on. The soul, the spirit, whatever you want to call that, goes on. And the body, well, it's, you know... It's just really a vehicle for the rest of us, and that's all it's good for, and then it dies, and that's the end of that. Well, it is true that it dies, and I do also believe that something else in us goes on. Nonetheless, that doesn't mean that the body is the problem. It might mean that our vision of the body is the problem. So, okay, let's talk about form. If once upon a time there wasn't form and then there was form, there must have been some reason why form was created. And my thinking is this. Um, I believe that form was created so that soul and, and form could unite as one. I believe that form was created so that we could come to understand form as one with the divine. Um, and that whole process is a creative process in which we are all engaged and have been since the beginning of our for our journey here. Um, we we are we are here to discover who we are as form, and we have limited. We have so maligned the body that it, it has become so limited because we believe that the body and formlessness, that form and formlessness, are separate. 
So when we came into form, the question became, if I am form, then I cannot also be formlessness. Therefore, now I and the divine are separate. The divine is formless and I am form. Therefore, we are different. We are separate. That's not what the divine said. That's what we decided when we did what I call eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's a metaphor. Traditionalists also use it in a different way than I use it. When we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what we did was we said, I'm going to incorporate into my body, mind, an understanding of the divine as separate from me. So, so that I will live in a dual state. I will live in the idea of good and evil instead of living in the idea of oneness. And that's where we've been ever since. And, but the journey continues. And as it continues, more and more of us are becoming aware that the body is a part of the soul. Quantum physicists, uh, physics, physicians are teaching us this even as we speak today. They are showing us through their experimentation that, uh, that form and formlessness are the same thing. That a chair is a chair and I can sit down in it and yet, it is made up of so many tiny particles that are so far apart from each other as to be, if they, if we were as small as they were, we might consider the whole thing to be the distance between us and the planets, other planets. So, um, it is also formlessness. So the chair is form, but it's also formless. Uh, and I am form and I'm also formless. What is it that makes my heart beat? What is that? And people say, well, that's just an electrical impulse that, you know, we develop that randomly. Well, there's a whole lot of stuff that I got to tell you is being attributed to randomness. And it's making randomness be a very, very intelligent entity. Uh, so randomness has cre- just created all this, you know, my body's ability to have a heart that keeps beating until it doesn't anymore. And m- my mind can think amazing thoughts and I can come up with amazing discoveries and I can get in touch with some deeper part of myself and randomness created all of that that you know that makes randomness into sort of kind of a higher power in my view but there are a lot of people who believe that all of this just happened by accident and we just ended up with this sort of uh, really amazing form uh, so form is amazing because it is one with the divine and the 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 whole idea that we die, we can get sick, all that comes about as a result not of the fact that we're imperfect or that our bodies are not good enough or that form was not created well enough, but rather as a function of our thinking, of our beliefs that says we are separate from the divine. I am form, the divine is formless, and therefore we are separate. And as we transition through our, our lives, uh, we, we can, if we so choose, become more and more enlightened to the possibility that my, our bodies are extremely wise. They are deeply, uh, entrenched in the divine. In fact, I would say our souls carry our bodies rather than the other way around, that our bodies carry our souls. A lot of people have thought of the souls as tiny little part inside of us that you know, we carry around inside of our bodies. I think it's the other way around. We, I think we carry our bodies inside our souls and then our souls inform our bodies as to what they should be doing and they do it. Except that the duality thinking that we have also has an influence on the body and the body, because we've lived here so long in that tradition, begins to believe it. So 
what, what, what are we doing here? We are establishing form for the first time in the history of the universe. We are all grand masters in the design that is us recognizing ourselves as form and formlessness united. What an amazing job we've been given to process through historically and futuristically into a place where we eventually come to know who we are as divine beings. And the only way we can do that is to walk through duality first. First, we have to believe that we are separate from the divine in order to finally come to terms with the fact that we are not separate from the divine. In the same way that we might have to um, color something dark before we realize that we would rather color it light. Uh, in the same way that we might have to say no to Mr. Wrong before we can meet Mr. Right. Uh, we have to transition through duality and fully put to rest every question it ever raises before we can finally come to the f- ultimate solution to the issue of duality, which is oneness. There is no duality. There is only oneness. We just don't know it. And because we don't, we live in a state where we're constantly measuring ourselves and asking, what is my purpose? And we don't really, and we dismiss the body as immaterial and we dismiss form as, you know, that's that, that material stuff. It's bad. Um, and there are people out there now talking about the law of attraction who say, well, maybe that material stuff is not so bad. And maybe those of us who are trying to live in spirit should have some of that. And I don't disagree with that. Uh, although I think the method of going about it is not going to work, but, uh, I think that we, that we, uh, need to really begin to recognize that there is no distinction between me and any other form. We are all the same thing. I am the same thing as money. I am the same thing as a chair. I'm the same thing as a house. We're all one. Everything is, every particle is connected to every other particle on the planet. Every wave is connected to every other wave on the planet. Because that's true. Oneness is the only thing that exists. And we are here to prove that. And we're going to talk some more about that proof right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you ever ask yourself, why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Life energies are based on the chakras, and this is the foundation of holistic healing. Find the balance in your life by tuning in to Healing Possibilities with your host, Tracy Makarenko. Through engaging guests and Tracy's spiritual guidance, each week we'll explore a different modality of healing designed to help you find peace and wholeness. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. So, okay, we've talked a little bit today about what uh, the whole problem with looking for our purpose is. And what we said was looking for our purpose robs us of the now. It gets us into measuring ourselves. It makes us think that we're not one with the divine. And it keeps us from recognizing all the beauty inherent in this moment right now. Um, And all the peace inherent in this moment right now. So, looking for our purpose is really a waste of time. And not only a waste of time, but uh, essentially a way of distracting ourselves from the now. And it also is a way of measuring ourselves. So that's A. B, what are we doing here? What we said in the second segment was we're what we're doing here is we are walking through the duality process in order to get to the other side of it in which we will come to understand that there is no separation between form and formlessness. There is no separation between the divine and humanity. There is no separation between humanity and other objects and things and, and creations on the planet uh, and other universes, etc., etc. We are all one. Everything is one. We are one with the divine. Our bodies are one with the air. Our bodies are one with the trees and the animals and other things because all of the molecules on this planet are connected by a field of unity. And that unity means that we are all a part, and the unity that I, as I see it, is the, the divine. The divine is that, that field of unity in which all molecules and all quarks and everything below them are all connected in that, in that field. So, uh, what we're learning here is to answer every question that duality presents so that we can finally get to the place in our collective experience as well as our individual experience in which we come to understand that form and formlessness are one and the same. All right, So that's what we're doing here as a planet. Uh, and that's why we came here. We did not come here to dismiss our bodies and say that they're not any good and we shouldn't be paying attention to them. Um, and uh, the idea that we should be created in a body and then tell ourselves we don't need it is funny to me. It's a real strange idea. Uh, I have trouble with traditionalists who keep insisting that the body is evil, and I want to know, well, then why was it created? Why, why did the divine create it? Um, so um, those kind of questions, though, rarely have answers because the answer is, well, just believe and, and you'll understand that. Um, and that answer is not good enough for me. I'm one of those skeptical people who really needs to explore and, and get to something that means something, that makes sense. And uh, that, that theory doesn't make sense to me. So, um, now, I didn't come up with this theory just uh, as, come, you know, just took it out of a hat like you take a bunny out of a hat. Uh, this theory came to me as a part of my own meditational experience and I, I sort of feel like information is downloaded from, from my own soul as I sit with my soul and hear from it. And uh, that, so that's how that came to me. Does that mean that I'm all right and everything else is all wrong? No, I don't know. You know, everything that I say is still somewhat of a mystery. But these are the things that I believe and they make sense. And, and, and so, okay, there's one more thing we have to talk about in terms of, terp- in ter- terms of purpose. 
we need to talk about why things happen. Why do things happen? Well, there are some people who in America have incorporated karma and have dogmatized it into another tradition for good and evil. Um, the idea that karma is a way of uh, uh, sort of digesting the bad things that we did in other lives uh, in a way that says, okay, now you did that bad thing, so you hit somebody in this other life, so now that somebody's going to come back and hit you in this life. And then what? What comes after that? I guess you have to hit them back in the next life, and then they have to hit you back in the next life. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, but it's generally thought of in more general terms like karma is you did some bad things in one life, and so you get some bad things coming back to you in this life. Or you did some good things in another life, and you get some good things coming back to you in this life. Well, that all makes sense when we believe in duality. But when we stop believing in duality, it doesn't make sense anymore. Um you know, we, we, when, when duality is true, there, there, I'm separated from the divine and I'm bad and the divine is good and I'm supposed to strive after goodness so I can be more like the divine and so I can have a connection to the divine and therefore I'm going to be uh, a better person and the world's going to be better for having me live here. Um, however, when I start saying that everything is oneness and I just don't know it, when I start recognizing that my body and my form and my mind and my soul and my spirit and my heart and my thoughts are all one thing, then I have to go, well, now, karma, that, does that fit into that? No, then I have to kind of re- renegotiate my definition of karma as well. And the renegotiation looks a little bit like this. Karma is the soul's intention to give to each incarnation what it came here to get. Okay? So if I'm ultimately, if I'm ultimately down the road after many incarnations, I'm going to realize that I am really one with all that is, that there is no such thing as duality, that my form and my formlessness are the same thing. If ultimately I'm going to realize that, then incrementally in each incarnation, I'm getting a little piece of that. And Karma is my soul's intention to give me that little piece. And so that little piece is something I'm going to have. Karma will, my soul will not, uh, will not fail. It will not fail. There's a verse, and I've said this several times before, it's a beautiful verse in the Bible, um, and the same idea can be found in the Bhagavad Gita and, and even some of the sutras. Um, but the idea is this. It said in Isaiah 55, 11, verse 11, just as the rain comes down and, and accomplishes what it came to accomplish, so shall it be with my word that will not return to me empty. So in other words, what it's saying there is my word, my word, the divine's word, which we are all, I am, you are, we all are, little words that were spoken by the divine uh, in a metaphorical sense that says... This is my creation. Here's a word I'm going to speak. Here's Andrea. That's the word of Andrea. And it's going to come here. It will not return to the divine empty. So I will accomplish the thing that my soul intends to accomplish in this life. There's no way I can fail. There's no such thing as a failed life. Now, when we look at that from the duality trance state, in which we see everything as split off from everything else, we go, well, now, wait a minute. What about people like Hitler or serial killers? 
Well, okay, so let's look at a serial killer for just a second. A serial killer is someone who is identified with the notion of badness. If we didn't have the notion of badness, they wouldn't be able to identify with it, okay? So here's a child, I'm going to give an example, a child that either grows up being terribly abused or a child who grows up in a home where everything is being measured constantly and he or she is sort of scapegoated and they take on all the bad stuff in the family because nobody else wants to be bad or wrong. So they take on the bad stuff and they identify with it. Well, what is an identity but our experiences ourselves of ourselves as existing? All right, so that's this identity. My identity now is I'm a bad kid. So now I've got to be badder to prove to myself that I exist. And then I'm going to have to be badder to prove to myself again that I exist. And then badder. And then, and then badder and badder and badder until finally I have walled up every little cavern inside of me that says be loving, share life, uh, communicate, connect. All of those are gone. Now my identity has become rock hard solid and I, I am badness itself. And that's why the serial killer needs such media attention because they've now proven if everybody in the world looks at them and says, look how evil they are. Well, now they really exist finally. So there becomes this addictive compulsive response that says, I've got to keep proving that I exist by being worse and worse and worse and doing more and more atrocious things that I can kind of laugh at and be cold toward and not have remorse about and say to myself, okay, that's, that's proves that I'm existing. Um, we do the same thing with goodness. Some people go around doing good deeds to prove they exist, but they've identified with goodness and said, this is who I am. And, and when you ask them, they'll tell you, I'm a good person. Here's all the evidence for how I'm a good person. And if you ask a, a, a person in jail, very often I've worked with people in jail, and they'll say, yeah, I'm a bad person. That's that's who I am. And that says they've identified with it. They put their I am in front of it. I am a bad person. Why? Because there's such a thing as badness, and I can be that and therefore prove that I exist. And there's such a thing as goodness, and I can be that and therefore prove that I exist. Whereas this whole notion of purpose is the same thing as an attempt to prove to ourselves that we exist. If I can find my purpose, then I've got a reason to exist. And if I have a reason to exist, then I get to stay here for a while. You see how that works? So this whole notion of, 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 of badness and goodness are illusions that we've created out of the concept of badness and goodness. You know, and we can keep proving them. We can prove them again and again and again. And we will continue to do that until all of our proofs run out. And we won't be able to prove it anymore. And that's when we're going to unite form with formlessness. We will no longer be able to say, bad is really a true thing. Good is really a true thing. But actually, they're, they're, those terms are, are translatable by court, culture. Um, they're interpretable by, by culture. One culture says one thing is bad and another person, another culture says that thing is good. It's all dependent on the culture. So in, in one culture, if you get really, really close to someone, that's a good thing that says you want to know them and you respect them. In another cl- culture, if you get really, really close to a person, that says you're interfering in their space and you need to back off. So in one culture, that very same thing is good and another it's bad. Uh, that, that's the whole nature of good and bad. We can't really define them. They're all culturally assessed and, and interpreted. Uh, so what we're saying here is that if a purpose here, if the purpose, if bad things can happen to me, how do I interpret that? What does that mean about my purpose here? If a bad thing happens to me, how do I look at that and go, well, 
what does that mean about me? And that's what we do. When we have something bad, we, we start questioning ourselves existentially. We start saying, what does that mean about me that that bad thing happened? And lots of us interpret it in ter- traditional things. Well, that bad thing is happening because I, I'm, I, I'm getting punished for something else I did. Or we can interpret it in the, the definition we gave earlier of karma. Well, something, I must have done something bad in another life and I'm, I'm getting the, re- the, the punishment for it now. Um, those things all divided up into good and evil. They divided up into I'm not, uh, I'm not separate, I'm not united with the divine. But once we start saying I am one with the divine, all of those ideas about who we are and what's really going on here fall away. And then we go, okay, what am I doing here? I'm doing, I'm coming here to experience my oneness as a, as form. That's why I am a very brave soul to have come here to experience myself as if I'm separate from the divine when in fact I'm not. But I'm a part of that, that process of unfoldment where we come to know lifetime after lifetime and lifetime after lifetime a little incremental piece of information that says, nope, I'm not separate from the divine. I'm just that much closer to being fully aware of who I am as a divine being. So when we say that, there's a lot of reactivity that goes on with it. That's what we'll talk about right after the break. So stay tuned for more. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Are you looking for alternative sources of spiritual development? Listen every week for Exploring the Divine Within. With host Patty Scrivens and her guest co-hosts, you'll be inspired to connect with the divine within yourself. We are all loved, and while we seek for it in different ways, the truth is that we are all looking for the same thing and doing the best that we can. When you understand that, you can embrace it. Feel a sense of calm and true joy. Tune into Exploring the Divine Within, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, on 7th Wave. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back for the final segment of the Authentic Living Show today. And uh, first, I want before we go any further, I want to uh, make an announcement that on Friday uh, at 9 a.m. Central Time, between 9 a.m. and 9.45, I'm going to be speaking at the Radical Authenticity Telesummit. Um, you'll be able to ask questions there and, uh, and find out more about that. And you can put, go to Google and put in Radical Authenticity's Telesummit and it'll take you to the webpage where you can register for that Telesummit. I'll be answering questions about how to become an authentic self, how, what the problem is with your self-esteem and, uh, how to, uh, get the law of attraction on your side and steps to finding the the inner truth. So I'll be talking about that from nine to nine forty five on Radical Authenticity Summit, uh, Telesummit uh, at uh, and you can go like I said to Google and put in Radical Authenticity Telesummit and you'll it'll be taken to the page and you, where you can register. So I look forward to talking with some of you then. Um, so we've been talking today about uh, what it is to. Uh, what is purpose and what, why do we need to have an individual purpose and what is our global purpose? And then we've talked a little bit about what that global purpose m- means to us when bad things or good things happen in our lives. Um, and now what, we, what I said just before the break was that what we're going to talk about that reactivity. What happens in the minds of people who are still entranced with the duality trance state when they hear me say, I am one with the divine, just like Jesus said it. Um, I'm a divine being. You are a divine being. We're all divine beings. Uh, and, you know, another way of looking at Jesus' life is that he came here to show us that. He came here to show us what we all can be like when we operate as our divine self. Uh, he said, greater things than these shall you do. Because I leave, I'm leaving, I'm going away. But you can do these things, is basically what he said. He also told the Pharisees, don't your scriptures say that you are gods? Uh, so I, you know, there's lots of verses that have been interpreted to mean that there's a hell and a heaven and that there's a split off between the good people and the bad people. But when you look at the root language, you find a different meaning altogether about what that means, and I've written about some of that in some of my books, and i uh, got another book coming out later in the fall this year where we're going to talk about that some more. But uh, what I want to say now is that people react to that in the same way they reacted to Jesus when he did that. Jesus was accused of blaspheming uh, by saying that he was one with the divine. And so are we very often accused of being blasphemous when we say that we're one with the divine. But I'm not saying I, Andrea Matthews, am one with the divine. I'm saying I and everyone else on the planet is one with the divine. We just don't know it. And so I'm not claiming any specific uh, specialness about myself. I'm claiming that we all are divine beings. We just don't know it. And it is our lack of knowledge of that that is the knowledge of good and evil that we have, have incorporated into the body-mind. We've lived out of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the knowledge of ourselves as divine beings. And that living out has created all that, all the, you know, drama and the stuff of our lives that we don't like. 
we don't heal ourselves. We don't uh, understand ourselves. We don't go inside to find ourselves. We we uh, bad things happen to us, and we go, "Oh my gosh, this must be my karma, or this must be my punishment." Instead of saying, "Okay, what can I gain from this experience? How is this experience blessing me?" Uh, what what is my newfound freedom as a result of this experience? I've, I've seen people, many people of the of late lost their jobs. I've had several people come in to see me as clients who have lost their jobs, and they they want to know what they did wrong or how come this is happening to them. And and when we begin to really explore what is really going on, they by themselves. I don't tell them this. They come to it in their own way. Um, to an understanding that, you know what, maybe this happened so that I could set myself free from something I didn't really even like in the first place. I didn't really like that job anyway. Or if I did like it, maybe there's another avenue in which I can do it and, and create a whole new entrepreneurship out of what I loved about my job. Um, certainly have seen that happen, people making lots of big money off of creating something new and different after having been laid off or fired from another job. So, you know, that's that's a small example of what some of the stuff that goes on today. But, you know, we have other things that are harder for us to accept. Why do people die? Why why do our children born with uh, maladies or, or deformities? Uh, you know, what is the challenge of this life? And what I have to say is whatever we've been given, that is the challenge of this life. That is the information that this body, mind, spirit, and heart have come this incarnation to use to bring me to that place where I get what my soul intended for me to get in this life. So whatever it is that is my challenge, whether it's alcoholism or divorce or uh, relationship issues or uh, uh, maybe I'm a quadriplegic or maybe I was injured at a time and or maybe I've been to war and I've lost a limb, whatever my particular challenge is, I it is a part of what I can use to get me to become aware of what it is that my soul wants me to be aware of in this life. And if it's only a fourth of an inch big, (laughs) it's still something my soul intends to give me in this life. And it will not fail. I will not get out of this life without taking in that thing that I came here to get. And when I get it, I will take that with me into the next life, and then I'll get something to add to it, and then I'll take that with me into the next life and add something to that until finally ultimately i will come to know myself as a divine being i will come to know who i am as one with the divine my form and my formlessness will be one and then who knows what the body will be able to do maybe the body will stop dying maybe the body will stop getting sick maybe the body will be able to transition between form and formlessness in ways that we don't quite understand today maybe we will understand non-local reality or local non-local reality a whole lot better than we do now so that we can we understand that you know i can heal somebody on the other side of the united states by sending them energy there'll be all kinds of things that we understand now that we're going to understand yet greater and greater and greater as we transition into this new age that is about to unfold as we move closer and closer to that that date in 2012 when we're supposed to open up and awaken at a greater level so I guess what I want to say here, more important than anything else, is that when we're looking for our purpose, we don't find it. But when we live in the now, accepting ourselves as one with the divine, we have all that there is about purpose. And we are living as uh, as that being that we are. 
will any of us be able to do that perfectly? Eventually, yes. Um, whatever perfect means to you, we will be able to be complete individuals as divine beings. Yes, that will happen. Has it happened yet for all of us? No. Has it happened for any of us? I don't think so, but, you know, maybe. Uh, so, that's uh, what we've got for today. I hope it's been helpful to you. And next week, we're going to be talking about the drama of your life. You don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.